Wow, I'm looking at a tweet just now from the governor of California, Gavin Newsom. The census, all these words have a period after them to be very dramatic. The census needs to count every person. Oh, shut up. And uh, Marshall Phillips has got a story on that in his news of this hour in which uh, the court has made yet another ruling on whether or not you can ask in the sentence, the census, are you a citizen? This story makes me mad on th- at least in at least three different ways. It's absolutely Joe's going R. Kelly's up out of his chair. He's swinging it's, his arms around. Are, are you crazy? I have to be stupid. No, it's just it's a terrible ruling by some numbskull judge. Terrible ruling by a numbskull. And says not Joe only Gettys. that, it's legislating from the bench, and it's just it's it's awful. God, we've lost the capacity for rational thought in this country. <laughs> Um, I was surprised. I, I check regularly the New York Times most popular uh, column. That's where they have uh, what stories are most people are clicking on. And usually it's stuff fairly recent. But if something hangs around for a long time, I think, wow, that really struck a nerve. And the second most popular story still at the New York Times, even though it came out, I think, well, February 26th, however long ago that is, is it two weeks ago. Um. And we talked about it. Do not disturb how I ditched my phone and unbroke my brain. Oh, yeah. It's the tips from somebody who basically went through rehab to uh, to not be so addicted to his smartphone. And that's that story has hung around and been popular because I'm guessing lots of people who read the New York Times have the same problem. I sent that to my wife and my mutual email address. Honey, take a look at it. It's a few days ago. A couple I of the, it was so good. A couple of the tips were put on your 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 screensaver or whatever when you click on your phone. Uh, the phrases and I don't remember them exactly, but it was something like "Why now? What for? What else?" Yeah, when you grab your phone, which you know that pause might be enough. Yeah, why am I doing this now? What else? There are many other things I could do. Right. So I think I'll put it back down. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, but. Just the fact that can there we have are, the link at armstrongandgetty.com, we'll, we'll have that for you so you can find it quickly. Just the fact that there are that many people that have the same experience, just it shows it's a thing. We all know it's a thing. Oh, yeah, clearly it is. Mm-hmm. You know, and there, there are days that uh, I start to get hope for mankind, specifically uh, my fellow Americans. Uh, I don't like those days because uh, I'm happier without hope. Uh, once I despair, then I can just relax and enjoy myself. Wow, interesting. It's, it's seeing my hopes dashed that make me crazy. Huh. Um, but yeah, I think more and more people are becoming more and more aware of some of the the, uh, the ill health of the modern world and our devices and our habits and the rest of it. I think it's so obvious so quickly to a lot of people. They're figuring it out. The uh, the downside there where my uh, my hopelessness returns is that kids don't have the perspective to understand what they're doing to themselves because they've not lived no. any other way. We'll be the last generation that ever knew what it was like to uh, sit around a room full of people and everybody's looking at each other. Right. And Talking then and laughing. <laughs> sharing and not being suicidal. Um, it will be So there will be nobody else to even contemplate that idea. That's kind of, I'd never really thought about that. Right, right, right. Uh, coming up, how badly are you getting ripped off on, okay, I'm I'm going to get, I'm going to ask you this. What consumer product have you bought, say in the last year or two? And you've thought, what's the markup on this? How can this possibly be this expensive? You know, when I say it, you'll say, oh yeah, it's eyewear, glasses, Mm. glasses, frames. How? 
are these little chunks of plastic in a couple of hinges $300? How can that possibly be? Or if you buy a name brand, why are these 450 and those are 180 I can't tell any difference right. whatsoever. Well, a former eyewear exec. Other than the name on the, the stem. A former eyewear exec has gone all Serpico on us and is, uh, is going to tell us the behind-the-scenes oh, really? story. Yeah, and it's it's interesting. I was I'm thinking of updating some of my eyeglasses, and I keep putting it it's off. It's expensive. I got Partly, two pairs. Yeah, it's dread. I got two pairs a month or so ago. Cost a thousand bucks. Thousand bucks. That's insane. If you get some, you know, That's if you crazy. get the non-reflective, and you got bifocals like I do, and you're at a thousand bucks. Yeah, and you know the cheapo places. I, well, the super cheapo places like your giant big box stores and stuff like that. I've just heard a couple too many problems of people got them back and they weren't right. The glasses weren't right. They're funky or the glass wasn't right or, or what have you. And I don't know. Maybe those just stuck in my mind. Maybe I, I'm being unfair, but I'm just, I'm a little wary of super bargain eye, uh, you know, like glasses grinding and, and stuff. I, maybe that's misplaced. Mm, that's, uh, I don't, I don't want to badmouth anybody because uh, I think we they did their best. We badmouth people every day on this show. What are you talking about? My expensive glasses, I'm not that happy with. My Walmart glasses I got were perfect. Okay. And they were a lot cheaper. <laughs> yeah. And faster. I wonder if it's like, uh, well, if the expensive place was bad, that's inexcusable. But I wonder if it's like guitars. You know, you're you're cheap. Like uh, it's just inconsistency. They're not uniformly bad. They're just really inconsistent. I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know either. Uh, but anyway, we'll get to that. If if you think yes, they're uh, incredibly expensive, it's because they they really really are. Uh, we got to take a break pretty soon. We got a reporter coming up about uh, this racetrack where a lot of horses are dying. What is going on there? 21 horses have died in just uh, several weeks. It's a, a horrifying story. Here are your best alternative swear words. If you're a parent and you don't want to swear in front of your kid, it's too late for me because I have one kid who swears like you. You don't know anybody who swears like my kid swears. I don't know where he got it. I honestly don't know where he heard it because we don't swear in front of him. I don't know if his older brother, who hears on the playground, is swearing when I'm not around. I don't know where you got it, but because he never leaves the house, so he has no influences. Mm. He doesn't go to school. Man, he can bring it. Do the goats swear? Maybe that's it. 20 alternative swear words. What the frog? That's a good one. What the frog? <laughs> this yeah. is, I guess, when it's on the tip of your tongue, you're just about to unleash one. Yeah. Sugar. Yep. Oh, muck. Shiitake mushrooms. Does anybody actually say that? I have heard somebody say that. It's not a great look. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Shut the door. I hear that now and then. I got a buddy who says cheese and rice on the golf course. Bull spit. That's yours. Yes. Oh, ship. I like bullship better. But you really have to enunciate the P <laughs> if you work, for instance, in the radio business. Fudge is a classic. Sure. I think my mom said, oh, fudge. Yeah. Nuts. Shoot. Yeah. I, I grew up in a, in, a, in a household where people said shoot. For freak's sake. I'm not sure. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Trump. Blinking oh, heck. Trump. Blinking heck. Blinking that heck. No, that one's not making the cut. Oh, is that like well, British? Like instead of saying bloody hell? Maybe. Goodness gracious me. That, that'd be in my mom's wheelhouse also. Sure. Yeah. I remember one time when someone almost ran into us at the grocery store, and my mom said, good governor, mister. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's fabulous. That's great. It's interesting. That's obviously a a euphemism for taking the Lord's name in vain. 
which is the, uh, the origin of a lot of things. You know, gall darn it and, and, and gosh darn it. and Mother uh-huh. smucker. <laughs> Mother father. That's Probably shouldn't have that faves. on the t- tip of your tongue anyway. <laughs> I don't know. I really enjoy it. It's an effective painkiller. You know, swearing is an effective painkiller. Are the alternative words, I don't feel like I get the same benefit. I don't think they probably There's something do. something about saying something you're not supposed to say that releases, releases both the energy of anger and the painkilling juice. Yeah. <laughs> Are you a doctor? Getting all scientific. <laughs> yeah, I didn't had no idea you have a degree in chemistry. Painkilling juice. <laughs> juice! Juice! <laughs> Science has ruled hipsters do all look the same. Oh, yeah, this is such a great story. This is such a great story. <laughs> Plus, it was actually MIT, wasn't it? Yeah, stay with us. And we'll get to the uh, eyewear thing, too. But the racehorse is dying by the dozens in a prominent racetrack. What the heck is going on? Hipsters, in an effort to be individuals, all look the same, according to science. You are listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Yeah, so I want to hear that story about... Uh, why do glasses cost so much? How I, all hipsters look alike, according to science? Because they're nonconformists. Because they're nonconformists? <laughs> it's absolutely... Because they're individuals. It's hilarious. It's hilarious on several different levels. But uh, first, the, uh, the, the troubling, uh, the mysterious story of the deaths of a shocking number of racehorses at the Santa Anita uh, racetrack in the Los Angeles area. Westwood One News correspondent Jim Roop joins us. Hello, Jim. How are you? Well, good morning. Good. What's happened to the poor horses? Well, that's what they're trying to figure out. Well, we know what happened to them. They uh, suffered, most of them, catastrophic injuries, and they had to be put down, euthanized, uh, as the horses break down, as they call it, at the racetrack. But the, the issue is, now, normally there's about 50 horses that die a year at Santa Anita. Uh, this, though, is odd because you were nearly half that in the first 10 weeks of this particular session, this particular meet, which began on December 26th. So there were 19 horses that died. They decided to shut the track down, take all the dirt off the track, and see if maybe all the rain has affected it, made it uneven, or or made it more like concrete in certain areas. They determined that there were no issues there, so they reopened uh, San Diego Park for training and racing, and two more horses died, so now they shut it down again, bringing back the guy who oversaw the renovation of the track back in 2014 brought him back uh, and a soil expert, and they're going to try and figure out again if there is something specific to the turf or to the dirt that's causing this, because there are horses that were also injured catastrophically on the on the, the turf, the grass track. Oh, wow. Uh, so they're trying to figure um, out what's going on. So let's back up to another, the first stat you threw out. So 50 horses die a year normally. That's yeah. that's when things are going well? Wow. Yeah, yeah, I'll bet most people don't know that. 
Uh, no, uh, you, you know, you got about 2,000 racehorses that die every year at racetracks across the country. Uh, and, and a lot of it has to do with the breakdown. The, the, now, when a horse breaks its leg, for instance, it's not like you or I who break a bone and they mend it with a, and, and cast it and then it regrows. This is, the, these horses' bones shatter. I mean, splinter. Oh, boy. So if they can't recover from it, then they're no good to the owner whose specific purpose is to race, win, make money, and all of that. Maybe put the horse out to stud, but the horse can't recover from that, so it can't even walk, really, to be able to breed if you want to. Well, it, it can't out. really do anything if it's a catastrophic injury. So Absolutely. Yeah, so, so they, they, put they them euthanize down. it. And yeah. It happens on the track, right there on the track. So that that's that's an issue, and that happens about at Santa Anita alone about 50 times a year. I don't think most people know that. That's that seems like a, a lot. Well, most of it happens in the training. It very oh. rarely does a horse break down on during a race. But there's there's training every day, so usually this kind of stuff happens during the training sessions, which is why you never really hear about it, unless you're in uh, racing circles and you read about a horse that you've been following. Uh, then yeah, but it rarely makes the news. Yeah, they they mentioned in uh, some of your others article on this that there were 20 deaths of horses uh, in the actual racing days in 2017, but that's plenty. You know, it's funny. I've loved horse racing since I was a kid. Um, for whatever reason, and I'm also a man who joins a wager, and me and a, a buddy used to sneak into a track in the Chicago area where I grew up underage and bet, um, and so I've always loved horse racing, but man, I, I I knew horses died occasionally. I didn't realize it's, I mean, that's one track. Yeah, that's, that seems, seems like an awful lot. I mean, if you're doing if you're doing an activity that kills a lot of horses, don't you have to question whether or not that needs to happen? Well, animal uh, rights activists do. Are really I mean, that's a lot of weight on those skinny little legs. It it happens. Uh, I, I have been to several racetracks. I, I enjoy it, too. And I've only seen that happen one time at Del Mar, as a matter of fact. I've seen a horse pull up, uh, and they had to put it down on the track. And that was, I mean, I felt the pain. The way that horse just kind of reared up and stopped, you knew that something oh Something happened, so that was that was really off. But it 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 does happen, probably obviously a lot more than people think. So it's it's a tough business in many ways, and and uh, a, a trainer or not a owner who loses a horse loses more than just the animal loses a lot of money. Right, Jim Roof Westwood one. Thanks, Jim. Good to talk to you. Yeah, thank you. Yep. You know, uh, this could be hyperbolic. I don't know, but I'm looking at the New York Times story on this topic and. Um, they mentioned that uh, the Philly Eight Bells had to be euthanized after finishing second in the Kentucky Derby. And racing officials have worried that another high-profile breakdown could put the sport out of business. Uh, yeah, I would say. You know you know how quickly things turned on the uh, Ringling Brothers Barnum & Bailey Circus uh, with a little bit of information or on your whale shows or, or whatever else. Wow, you, those are good examples. You get yeah. uh, you get some high-profile situations going on, and, and things change very quickly. Some Netflix documentary yep. comes out about the horse racing industry. Right. Another good point. In a uh, series a couple of years ago, New York Times showed that 24 horses died each week at racetracks across America. Um, many of See, them we, because of over-medication or lack of regulatory protection. That's interesting. I wonder if I've usually heard those nationwide statistics and thought, well, we're a big country and there's a lot of... There must not be as many racetracks as I think there are. If there are 50 hmm. a year during your normal years at yeah. one track, yeah, that seems like a lot. Well, that's interesting. Uh, back to the New York Times. In California, horse deaths have decreased by 60% over the last 13 years 
with most of the reduction coming in the last couple of years, according to the California Horse Racing Board. If you're going to ask me to guess, though, on one racetrack, how often a year I'd have said, I don't know, two? Pretty rare. I assumed it was really rare. If I'd said 10, I'd have thought, yeah, I'm betting the high side. Yeah, well, yeah, that's wild. Uh, nearly 12 inches of rain have fallen on Santa Anita. They think that could be a factor. I don't Well, I know nothing about horse tracks. So what am I going to... I know sometimes it's muddy and then mudders run better. What am I going my to... My father was a mudder. My mother was a mudder. What am I going to get accused of on the text line for uh, talking this way about horse racing? Just being soft or something like that? But if you're making the animals do something that, you know, is so unnatural to them, it kills a lot of them. What's the point? Well, We've horses got a lot riding of, is not unnatural. Well, I'll save them the trouble riding that. Well, obviously. Right. Um, running like that is unnatural. Well, and they're bred to be enormously muscled, but very delicate legged. Um, they're not run. I got a horse runs around in the pen all the time. You don't hear of horses dying that way almost right. ever. Right. So it's to say it's natural. It would be a lot. It'd be a lot. Um, so I wonder why it does need to exist. We've got lots of entertainment options. Oh, interesting. Huh? Maybe this is the time. That this More one people changes. racing. That's what I yes. say. What's coming up in your news, Marshall? Stunning revelation by Arizona Senator Martha McSally. New Central American caravan is heading to the U.S. They're riding the Beast Train, and we got another the Beast Train, and we got another ruling. That's what I tell my wife, and we got another ruling on census citizenship questions. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. participating in a national talk radio convention tomorrow we are featured speakers along with some of the best talk show hosts in america on a panel and us answering questions which should be exciting i think we're kind of the before picture of the panel if you will before what? How not to do it. It's in before and after pictures. <laughs> oh, you yeah. tell them about how swearing releases the pain juice. So, <laughs> so we're like the big <laughs> shut up. We're like the big fat guy in the picture, and then yes. here's the successful version. Exactly. <laughs> do you want to be like this or like this? What are you talking about? Listen, boys. Right. Yeah. Actually, he's going to be in the crowd. We understand. Uh-huh. Oh, oh my. Goody. Uh-huh. He will be in attendance for people who know that uh-huh. story. Doug, Let's... if you've stolen from me, you've stolen twice, Stefan. Let's get, let's get the news with Marsha Phillips. Surprising announcement. Arizona Republican Senator Martha McSally, who was the first female Air Force fighter pilot to fly in combat, said yesterday she was sexually assaulted while serving in the military. I was preyed upon and then raped by a superior officer. The perpetrators abuse their position of power in profound ways. She stayed quiet about if the... If I could, and I, I, I hate to do this, you are a lifelong journalist, but I just want the whole journalism w- world to stop saying sexual assault if it's a rape. Let's just say she was raped. Because people say sexual assault all the time, and then I think, okay, here we go. Was she... she somebody kissed right. her at a party? The other day, we right. brought you the story of 10 and 11-year-old boys who rode their bikes onto a college campus... And smacked a couple of girls on their hind ends. That is a sexual assault. To pat someone's bottom without being asked. Or that guy who left the New York Times. Did he repeatedly ask this girl out, then kiss her after uh, the bar? Right. Or was was she raped? This woman was raped. Right, right. Anyway. She stayed quiet about the rape for quite a while while because she said she she didn't uh, trust the system. And then, when she tried to tell military officials about it, she said, Like many victims... 
I felt the system was raping me all over again. McSally made the disclosure during a Senate hearing on the military's efforts to prevent sexual assaults and improve the response when they happen. God, I'd like to, I'd like to know what the thinking was of those scumbag rapists or people who treated her that way. Was there a women don't belong in this world, we're going to show you sort of thing going on? Or was it just plain old ordinary? Because I can. Because I can. Yeah. But, uh, you know, good for her for, for managing to fight through that and become the first woman to actually fly in combat. Because obviously right. there were a lot of opportunities to, to say, you know, I'm out. And I, Screw I underst- this. I understand as much as I can um, why she didn't report it. Oh, to sure. go to a superior officer and say, I'm going to end your career oh, yeah. means you have the fight of a lifetime on your hands and everything you care about gets derailed. Oh, I, yeah, I know enough about the way the military works. The The chance that you're going to then end up being the first woman to fly in combat is very unlikely. Right. Once you start down that road. It's a t- awful, awful. She, I understand what she's saying. She's re-victimized by the system. She should, yeah. get, terrible. She should get some sort of medal for this, for coming out and talking about it and find the scumbags that did it. And get them out of there. Now, that's just that's just something we can put up with. McSally, by the way, roasted the rank of colonel before she left the military in 2010. She was deployed six times to the Middle East and Afghanistan, flew 325 combat hours, earned a bronze star. And had to put up with that crap. Yeah. Riding the beast train, Washington Examiner reporting a Mexican freight train carrying more than 400 Central American migrants in the latest caravan group traveling through Mexico has arrived in a town just south of California. Hundreds of people, it's 10 feet up from the ground on top of the train's cargo containers, pulled into Mexicali last night. Mexican City sits just over the border from Calexico in southeastern Cal. Oh, I get it. Are you going to... Tell me why they call it the Beast Train. Well, a train's known as the Beast simply because it is very large and uh, very hard to ride, apparently. You sit okay. on top of the train like you're riding on, uh, I beast. don't know, a beast. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, the migrants have used freight trains at a lower rate in the last few years compared to how popular it was around 2014 and 2015 when a lot of people began climbing on board the trains to avoid paying smugglers to get them to the U.S.-Mexico border. Wow. So they would ride on the train. Riding uh, the train was uh, declared illegal by Mexican authorities in 2014 when the practice became so widespread. It's not really clear to what extent that policy is being enforced Spilled these bridges, days. not walls. Spilled bridges. Remember old Beto O'Rourke wants to just open up the border. Everybody can pour in. Start collecting social services. Good idea, Beto. <laughs> Census question on citizenship ruled illegal by a second judge. You got a San Francisco based district court judge. Oh, there's a shock. In the Ninth Circuit ruling that the Trump administration's decision to add a citizenship question to the 2020 census, quote, threatens the very foundation of our democratic system. Wow. So now that you've gone through some of the stuff they ask you on that, they, they really get into a lot of your, you know, your personal details and everything right. like that. Financial details. Your car. How far you drive. Where you live. What your honey does. What your kids are like. Yep. Everything about your life. How much money you got make. How much money you got saved. You and what do you things? spend it on? Um, the idea that they'd ask whether or not you're a citizen, this, this, how, how, how would that not be on Go there? ahead. Give the judge's reasoning, and then I will dismantle it and leave him in a puddle of his own tears. Well, it, <laughs> the judge says it's because it would cause a significant under count of immigrants and Latinos 
that could distort the distribution of congressional seats. All right, so you are legislating from the bench. You are saying, you know, I think Latino people won't answer this question because they're afraid of something. Maybe you're getting deported or something. So he's guessing the way people will react and saying, well, because we got to have an accurate count, so I'm afraid that this will mean people won't answer. You know what? We don't need your guessing. Make it clear. Spend millions of dollars, because that's what the government does best, on public service announcements saying nobody will be deported on the basis of an answer to the question. Nobody ever put out ads in Spanish all over the place. Anybody who chooses not to answer the census in that uh, circumstance, you can't cater to irrational people or stupid people. Some people would say you can't cater to illegal uh, aliens, but... It's a guess by the judge, and it's just dumb. That's a fundamentally important question. The idea that we can't figure out who's how many citizens and how many non-citizens we have because somebody might be afraid to answer, that's just, it's childish. It's stupid. What percentage of illegals are going to fill out the census anyway? Do we know that? I have no idea. Well, they go door to door. They don't care yeah. who you are. Everybody gets the, uh, gets the questionnaire. There you go. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips in the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. It's just, it is, we are so touchy-feely America, where we're just, well, I don't, we, we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, or, or, you know, they might be afraid to answer, so I guess we just can't even ask. Are we a nation of six-year-old children? Are we adults? Are we asking adults to fill out the census? I just find this ridiculous. So you get to find some judge in San Francisco, probably wearing crotchless leather underpants under the robe. Wow, there is just no need for that. (laughs) I know you're angry, but it's just ridiculous. Well, people might be afraid. Shut up. You're required by law to answer the census. Answer it. Nobody's going to get deported. Nobody's going to get arrested. All right. Michael Cohen may have perjured himself last week in that hearing that everybody wants. Also, the man can't help himself. Milk Coke is coming to a shelf near you. Say what now? Milk Coke. Okay, so science has answered the question of why all nonconformists look the same. <laughs> Which is so funny. <laughs> and the markup on eyewear as well. Oh, boy. <laughs> all on the way on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. So somebody claims Michael Cohen's lawyer asked about a pardon with Trump. He was specifically asked that under oath last week and said, no, they didn't. Hmm. They said, did you ever ask a pardon? Ah, which might be the difference because oh, yeah. those are weasels yeah. or we're talking with weasels now. But anyway, so that's the latest on that. weasel talk. And that's all I want to hear about. <laughs> also known as lawyer talk. Got to get to the markup on eyewear and why it's happening. It's up to a thousand percent markup. What's well, astounding. Yeah, there's a reason for it. But first, this story, which is just it's a a couple of different kinds of hilarious. Hipsters all look the same. Man inadvertently confirms is the headline from the Washington Post. And this is kind of two stories in one. Number one, you've got the uh, MIT Technology Review, 
uh, this this math uh, genius was trying to come up with a mathematical formula description of why all hipsters end up looking the same. And it's really interesting, and it's good stuff. Um, it, it's actually, it gets a little dry, as you might imagine. He's a, he's a mathematician. His research splits a hypothetical world of people into two groups, the mainstreams, or conformists, and the hipsters, the anti-conformists. The mainstreams have a strong incentive to constantly switch their styles based on what they view to be mainstream, mainstream fashion. But the hipsters will feel compelled to keep their originality, so they only switch their style when they sense that too many people are catching on. And hmm. uh, and they talk about that a little bit, but what this scientist found is that hipsters ironically end up synchronizing, sensing the transition away from a conformist trend at roughly the same time, then abandoning abandoning it altogether before starting a new trend that the mainstreams will inevitably encroach upon again, and so on and so on. They conform in their nonconformity, he wrote. Uh, and it seems to stand the test of the time over and over again. Oh, yeah, it's been been that way since I was a young person. Yeah, they constantly create the trends that they will soon try to escape. He gives beards as an example. And then mock at some point. Oh, exactly, <laughs> yeah. As lame. Uh, for instance, coming back to the case of hipsters, if a majority of individuals shave their beard, then most hipsters will want to grow a beard. And if this trend propagates to a majority of the population, it will need to a new synchronized switch to shaving. But, so, it it makes sense, and we've all seen it. We've all seen it. What was that website that I used to click on now and again because I found it? Look at this effinghipster.com. Oh, it was so good. I don't know if it's still around. But so that's story number one. And that makes sense, I think, anybody who's ever observed that sort of thing. Actually, they they, cut my beard and forced me to eat it. There's a (laughs) that's that's not a trend. Thank God. They include a charming Mark Twain quote. In this article, that's essentially saying the same thing about how fashions are laughed at, then adopted, then everybody has them, and then everybody abandons them and laughs at them again. Um, so it's an eternal. But anyway, I said this is kind of two stories in one. The The hook to this story is so funny. This guy is flipping through MIT Technology Review, and he sees the, the stock photo with the article of a bearded man in a beanie, walking down a sidewalk in a flannel shirt. And it's an article. Sounds like a hipster to me. Well, right. and He's the, on the way to get some of that uh, avocado butter on a piece of toast. Exactly. The uh, The title is The Hipster Effect, Why Anti-Conformists Always End Up Looking the Same. And he realizes, wait a minute, that's me. They're using my picture on this article, and they're calling me a hipster. I'm going to jump on my fixie bicycle and ride down there and punch somebody. <laughs> And so this guy sues the MIT Technology Review for slander and for using his picture in the hipster article. And and the MIT guy said, first of all, it's not like we said that the guy in the picture has an STD. We said he's a hipster. Right. We're close. We didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Says you, you hipster. He uh he uh, he says I I don't think you can be sued for slander by implying somebody's a hipster. And so they go back and forth, and the MIT guy says, well, uh, first of all, we ought to establish the facts, and that's where the punchline comes in. It's not the guy. It's not him. He just looks so much like a freaking hipster that he thought he was the hipster in the hipster shot of the article that says all hipsters look the same. And he was forced to apologize to MIT and and, uh, 
and withdraw his suit. So stick that in your beard and vape it. <laughs> oh, that was well done. That was well done. So uh, one more note. Stick that in your messenger bag. That's pretty good. Yeah. And bike it or uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, stick that on your rental scooter and ride it. So um, there's this guy who uh, did an interview with the L.A. Times, Charles Dayan or Dahan, I'm not sure. Um, he was once one of the leading suppliers of frames to lens crafters. And he's also built uh, machines that improved the lens manufacturing process. He's a career, lifelong uh, eyeglasses guy. And uh, he got out of the business when his company was purchased by uh, Luxottica, which is an Italian company. Ask your doctor if Luxottica is right for you. <laughs> and he says... There's no competition anymore. Luxottica bought everyone. They set whatever prices they please. Listen to this. What kind of glasses do you wear, glasses wearers? Look at the little frame. Um, My current ones are not, the ones I have right here are Nike. I have some, uh, let me think of the brands. I got some fancy brands. Yeah, I got some. Uh, but I couldn't find them. I can never remember. I don't know. Um, it's some designer or something. I know they cost $300 more than ones that didn't have that name on them. Even though they look the same. Luxottica owns Armani, Brooks Brothers, Burberry, Chanel, Coach, DKNY, Dolce & Gabbana, Michael Kors, Oakley. I've got some Oakley sitting right there. Oliver Peoples. That's Persol. what I have, Oliver Peoples. Really? Yeah. Never heard of it. Uh, Persol, Polo, Ralph Lauren, Ray-Ban, Tiffany, Valentino, Vogue, and Versace. One brand owns all those. Oh, they also own Lens Crafters and Pearl Vision, Sears Optical, Sunglass Hut, and Target Optical, as well as the insurer iMed Vision Care. One Italian company. Hmm. And they just merged with a, a French company, which is the leading maker of prescription eyeglass lenses and contact lenses. That's an insane. That's happened in a lot of industries. It's called a monopoly, Jack. Uh, so he says, uh, often, I don't know about in this case, but often when this happens, the quality of those previously established brands goes way down. Right. While the prices uh, right. continue to be the same or go up. When he was in the business back in the eighties and nineties, he said it cost him between 10 and $16 to manufacture a quality plastic or metal frame between 10 and $16 lenses might be five bucks a pair to produce with fancy coatings, 15 bucks to produce. So. You got like $31 in a pair of really good eyeglasses. Oh. Let's adjust for inflation, call it 45 uh, He says lens crafters would turn around and charge $99 for completed glasses that cost 20 to $30 to make. Well below what many independent opticians charge. Now, those same glasses at lens crafters might cost hundreds of dollars. Oh, yeah. You get Oliver Peoples with, uh, you know, something on your glasses, scratch resistant or whatever, and bifocal, you're easily going to be $400, $450. Here's his other geek in the uh, same business. He recently visited factories in China. China! Where many glasses for the U.S. market are manufactured. Improved technology has made prices even lower. You can get amazingly good frames with a Warby Parker level of quality for 4 to $8. Yeah, I was going to mention Warby Parker. Hasn't that cut into this? That whole you buy it online? and I know that's where I got my monocles and it was a lot cheaper. Yes, I how, own monocles. How often do you rock the monocle? Not very often. Holding it in my eye socket, I find to be very difficult. Why do you need multiple monocles? I don't know how Clink did it. I got a different size. I thought maybe it was a size problem. Ah, gotcha, but... gotcha. What, do you got to uh, measure your occipital region there? 
I guess. Or custom-made is what people really do oh, if you want to Because everybody's oh, got a unique yeah. size. Be you good gotta, to yourself. you got to be able to hold it in place with just like your eye muscle or something. Right. Otherwise, it keeps ru- falling running out. around with some mass-produced monocle like an idiot. <laughs> yeah. This is no Monocle Talk. Uh, every Thursday at this time. What monocle should thou wear with thine top hat? Uh, so anyway, uh, so for, you can get fifteen uh, for about fifteen bucks. You can get designer quality frames like you'd get from Prada from these Chinese factories, and lenses absolutely first quality lenses, a buck and a quarter a piece. Yet those same frames and lenses. Now keep in mind, we've got mm, eighteen dollars in them. Those same frames and lenses might sell in the United States for eight hundred dollars. Right. So. So it's my, a complete ripoff. But so says. is my local glasses store paying so much? They're not really getting the money. It's the this company that owns everybody. Luxottica, yeah. Okay, so they have no choice at my local place. That's just what they call it. Well, I don't know that that's true exactly because they're more expensive than everybody else. Uh, let's see. Look at Oakley, the California maker of premium sunglasses. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Public offering in 95, Luxottica bought them up in 01. Promptly told Oakley it wanted to pay significantly lower wholesale prices, etc., then muscled them, and then finally bought them. Right. Break up Luxottica. I'm half blind. Cut a blind man a break. Texas with your monocle tips, 415-295-KFTC. Spats are in again this season. <laughs> Stay with us. Tomorrow's spat talk. Getting the right size. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show.